You ever have those moments where you are asking someone to do something or not to do something, and you feel like they heard you, but they just keep on doing what they were doing anyways? Okay, good. I'm not the only one who has those moments. It happens with my kids all the time. <laughs> uh, like, I've said it five times. You're three feet away from me. You heard what I said. Uh, I don't know if it's like they feel like if they pretend they didn't hear me, I'll just go away, and they'll just get to keep doing what they wanted to do. Um, it's either that or they acknowledge me, but it's more like a, no thanks, or but I want to, yeah, no thanks is Mason's nice way of saying, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> As if he says it politely, it changes the, the problem. But when, when my mother-in-law is in town and these moments happen, she looks at the kids and she says, yes, daddy, or yes, mommy. And, and as a result, sometimes now they actually say that on their own without being prodded to say it. They're learning to say yes when they're asked to do something. Do they do it all of the time? Absolutely not. But as, as Christians, we have to learn the art of saying, yes, Daddy, to our Heavenly Father when he asks us to do something or to not do something. We have a tendency to hear him and continue on with what we are doing because we like what we are doing or we don't like what he's asking us to do or we're afraid to do what he's asking us to do. I think there's also times where we acknowledge that he spoke to us and we just say, no thanks. <laughs> or, but I want to do... So, okay, for the quizzers this morning, we're going to look in a passage from James. That's, the book, that's one of the books they're studying this year. We're going to be uh, looking in James chapter 1, verses 22 through 24. Eden, you want to quote it for us? I didn't think so. <laughs> But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and goes away, and at once, at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks in the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So I found two different Bible dictionary definitions for biblical, obe biblical obedience. In Holman's Illustrated Bible Dictionary, it gives a real short, simple definition. To hear God's word and act accordingly. That's obedience. To hear and do. Eerdman's Bible Dictionary, if I'm even saying that correctly, uh, gives a definition for true hearing or obedience. It says, involves a physical hearing that inspires the hearer and a belief or trust that in turn motivates the hearer to act in accordance with the speaker's desires. Essentially says the same thing using more and bigger words. <laughs> 
But based on those definitions, true hearing is doing. It's saying, yes, daddy. When he asks us to do something or to not do something. I found a blog online and the gist of it was this. If you've given your life to Jesus, you've said yes to him in a really big way. And that's huge. But it's the small and daily yeses that give weight to the big yeses that we offer him or continue to offer when we come to the altar and give him our lives. We can't keep saying no to the daily, sometimes mundane tasks and expect the yes that we said to following him to impact the world. We can't say, yes, I'll follow you, and then say, no, I won't do the things you ask me to do. If you want your yes at the altar to mean something, don't neglect the yes of every single moment. Following Jesus is what Christians knowingly, passionately pledge their lives to. Going wherever God leads, doing whatever he asks, no matter what the cost. That's what we agreed to when we said yes to following Jesus, to making him both our Savior and our Lord. To not just save us, but to rule our lives. We can't say that we're asking him to rule our lives and then tell him no every time he asks us to do something. Telling God that he's the one in the driver's seat is easy if it's just lip service. If you're just saying it because that's what we're supposed to say. Jesus is in the driver's seat. We were joking the other day talking about that bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot. If he's in the car, let him drive. (laughs) What does it look like for that radical pledge to become a daily reality of actually letting him drive? Surrendering our lives to God means choosing to say yes to what he asks us to do. That's part of the cost of discipleship. There isn't a free trial or a money-back guarantee. You can't be like, I'm just going to try it out for a little bit. If I don't like it, I'll give it back. Francis Chan points out that the Great Commission says, go and make disciples. It is not then followed by, and if that's too much to ask, they can just become Christians. There is no differentiation between being a disciple and being a Christian. It's about following Jesus, giving our lives to him. We don't get to pick and choose which things we want to do or or which days we want to obey him on. Obedience to God can be described as somewhat radical. And that's because it encompasses every part of our lives. It's giving up complete control. And, and that's radical. For people who don't follow God to say he has every aspect of my life is crazy. 
following Jesus is a deep dive into this adventure where we say over and over again what Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. So we're going to explore this a little bit this morning. What is saying yes? What am I saying yes to? Now for each person, the specifics of what you're saying yes to will vary because God calls us all to different things. But the basic premise is the same. So we're going to look at some of the things that we're saying yes to. One of them is we're saying yes to God's plan. Here's an example. Think of Noah. He's one of the first examples that can come to mind. He truly embraced the idea. When God came to him with news of the complete destruction of the world and then offered him up this even probably crazier plan to go along with it, he said yes. It probably wasn't Noah's life dream to build the ship in his front yard or to become a zookeeper. He maybe hoped to grow old and watch his kids start families of their own, maybe go on a trip or two. You know, the kinds of things people get to do when they retire, right? (laughs) Or hope to do, at least. (laughs) I don't know, I hear retirement's just as busy as prior to retirement. But he said yes. Even though God's plan was a little crazy. He said yes to the wild and extreme probably smelly eventually plan. And even though others didn't understand, even though he would lose some friends, literally, even though it meant saying goodbye to the life he knew, he chose to obey what God asked him to do. The perfect example is Jesus. He was the embodiment of radical obedience. He was perfected man, humbled, submitted to the Father, whose timing often baffles us. He gave up his life, exchanging it for all of humanity, a task that no one else could shoulder. Yet when, with the unthinkable before him, His prayer was what we already said. Father, not my will, but yours be done. It's saying yes to God's plan. Whatever that plan is. But it's also saying yes to God's timing. Because that plan doesn't always happen in the timing that we want it to happen in. Think about Abraham for a minute the father of faith. He's in the hall of faith. In Hebrews 11, he had to learn the painful lesson of yielding to God's timeline. When God let him in on the plan to use his seed to start something new, a people set apart for himself, Abraham questioned. And while Abraham chose to believe God and and say yes to this plan, enter a covenant with God, he struggled with wanting, the, how, with wanting 
it to unfold in his own timing. Uh, and that would be where the house servant and little boy named Ishmael enter in. Was God able to redeem those relationships? Yes. But God planned to use an older man and a woman with imperfect, unable bodies for something new and full of promise. Took Abraham a while to get it. He tried to do it in his own timing. Sometimes radical obedience looks like saying yes to the plan and then trusting God to let it unfold in his timing because it's better than ours. Another example is Joseph. In the coat of many colors, Joseph, not Jesus' dad, Joseph. Although that's not a bad example either. (laughs) He's another person that had to learn to keep peace with God. It's really easy for us to identify with young Joseph. He was full of big dreams, literally, uh, (laughs) and destiny just kind of coursing through his veins. He had so much ahead of him. But at 15, 16, 17, was this teenager ready and able to execute the responsibilities of a person second in command in a country as big as Egypt? Probably not when he's going to his brothers, telling them about his dreams of them bowing down to him and everything. It's probably not the best leadership skills. It wasn't until he was like 30 that God's plan would begin to unfold for him. After a lot of character refinement, lessons learned in servanthood and humility and leadership, it took time for him to mature into the man that God needed him to be for the plan that he had for him. Radical obedience for Joseph meant trusting God's plan even when that involved continued disappointment, feeling forgotten, being left behind, wrongfully accused, imprisoned. It was a long road to get to where God was taking him in his timing. But Joseph not only learned what it meant to trust God's plan, but also God's timing. Radical obedience also says yes to God's way. And that sounds like, didn't you say that already with God's plan? (laughs) It isn't enough to just say yes to God's plan. Because sometimes we say, yeah, God, I'll do your plan, but we're going to do it my way. In our own human wisdom and strength, we push through and try to make God's plan happen. Abraham did the same thing. We just talked about Abraham. But another example I don't know how familiar you are with this story in 2 Kings 5. There's a general of Syria named Naaman. And he had leprosy. And he heard about Israel's God. And he wanted to go and see if they would heal him. And so he got a, he got a letter from the king of Syria. He, he got all kinds of gifts and money. And he, and he took it to the king of Israel to Elisha, and he said, heal me. He thought he could buy the miracle that he needed from God. He had a plan for how this would go. Naaman wanted total healing, but he wanted to dictate the the terms on which it happened. You know what the response he got from Elisha was? He said, go in the Jordan River and wash seven times. 
Seems kind of crazy. But if you do it, you'll be healed. And because it wasn't on his terms, he walked away. In a, you know, in rage. He was angry. He wanted them to just say, okay, God, heal this guy. Boom, healed. You can be on your way. But it was, it was a, an unorthodox plan. So he walked away. His servants did eventually convince him to do it. He did it. He was healed. But he wanted to do it on his terms, in his way. Then there's the blind man in John chapter 9. Here's Jesus coming, shouts out to him. Jesus comes over. And he follows that unorthodox idea. He spits in the mud. He wipes the mud on the guy's eyes and says, go wash in the pool of Siloam and be healed. He gave him a task that was probably relatively difficult for a blind guy to do. (laughs) But he did it. Rather than balk at Jesus' command like Naaman did, he did it. He did what he was told. He said yes. Even if it didn't make sense and he was unsure of how he's going to accomplish the task, the blind man moved in the direction Jesus told him to go. And the result was total healing. He said yes to God's way. Not just his plan, his way. This obedience says yes, even if the plan seems crazy or if the timing feels off. It's it's saying yes to daddy. This radical obedience looks like movement without the certainty of the outcome. I don't know where this is going to end up, but yes, I'll do it. It means believing that God doesn't make mistakes. That he has our best interest at heart. His vantage point is better than ours. He can see it all, how it's going to unfold. And if he can see how it's going to unfold, who better to have driving? When we live as though we believe these things, we've crossed over into the wild adventure of radical obedience. It comes with a cost that we lay down our lives, choose to surrender and obey. We sang in the hymn, Trust and Obey. So it's yes to his plan, yes to his timing, yes to his way. But it's also saying yes even when you're afraid. Is saying yes easy? Not always. To say never would would not be true. Sometimes, yeah, it's easy to say yes. But sometimes we're afraid. All throughout Scripture, God spoke to his people about fear. He said, do not fear or do not be afraid almost a hundred times. And if we look at it closer, almost every time, he was talking to people who were afraid. You are afraid, you shouldn't be. Don't be afraid. Moses was afraid, Joshua, David, Elijah, Jesus' disciples. Those powerful 
men of faith were afraid. But they said yes. Followers of Christ aren't born fearless. But we have to do it afraid. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's doing something in spite of our fear. That's our job. In spite of our fear, we say, yes, I'll do it. To do what the Lord asks of us daily, even though we feel fear. Step out to sing a new song to say a prayer for a stranger, to give someone in need some help, to step out even when you're afraid. And lastly, and this one might confuse you a little bit, radical obedience also says yes to saying no. You heard me. (laughs) It's saying yes to saying no. Sometimes saying yes means saying no. Saying yes to Jesus doesn't mean saying yes to everything. We have a ton of voices in our lives, whether internal or external, that ask or even tell us to do a lot of things. Not all of those things require us to say yes. Not all of those things are what God is calling us to do. As a capital C church, we have done a good job of making people feel guilty and anxious about saying no as a Christian. And I just don't believe that's God's plan for us. Spreading ourselves thin and saying yes to every person and opportunity that comes along. That's not what he has for us. Or, or feeling guilty about saying no. You feel okay to say no, but then you spend the whole time feeling guilty because you said no. There is a time and a place for both yes and no. And you have to think through why you are saying no. And if you are saying no to something God asks you to do or something someone else is asking you to do. But that takes time. Think about how often you have to choose whether to say yes or no to something. Somebody asks you to babysit, or should you agree to this commitment, or this promotion? You know, more teachers or greeters are needed for Sundays. Requested to take on more responsibility at work, maybe. It would take forever to address every yes or no choice that you have to make in your life. Every situation is different, every person has their own limits. This is not a just stock answer of say yes to this many things, say no to this many things. But the idea that we can't say no is far too popular in the church and in the world. Finding the answer here begins and ends with love. 1 Corinthians 13 says we can do any amount of good deeds, but we can easily act without love which leaves those things hollow. If we don't do it with love, it means nothing. If we do it just to do it, do it just because it needs done, 
and we do it without love, it's hollow. Sometimes saying yes is the most loving thing you can do. But sometimes it's not. There's more to it than I love you, so I'll do whatever, whenever. You ask, I'm there. Sign me up. I'm on board. There's more to it than that. Yes, the Bible supports a lot of yes and a lot of sacrifice. But living without boundaries makes us weak. Proverbs 25.8 says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. We have to find the balance between being servants and having margin or room for obedience. If we just say yes to everything, we have no boundaries. We have no margin in our lives. You ever tried reading a book that literally has no margins? It's overwhelming, right? A life without margins is overwhelming. You need that space, that gap. Another thing, we might take an opportunity from, some, from someone else who God has uniquely gifted for something because we said yes when it wasn't something that God was calling us to do. People will get used to you saying yes and come ask you instead of maybe who God has for that role, whatever it might be, whether it's in ministry or at work. There's a reason we are all gifted uniquely. We all have a role and we're all called to do different stuff. Sometimes what God is calling you to say yes to will require you to say no to other things so that you can do the thing he's asking you to do. You'll have to make room in your life for the things he's calling you to. If you're leading this ministry and teaching in that ministry and volunteering in this ministry and God says, I have this other opportunity for you, you have to look at your life and say, all right, which of these things has to go so that I can say yes to him? have to make room for the yes and sometimes that requires no there is a disclaimer with this though these very reasons to say no can also become selfish excuses my plate's too full someone else will do it but pastor steve said it's okay to say no hold up <laughs> We had a pastor, our pastor in New Jersey would say, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm saying to get your life to a place where you can always say yes to Jesus. I'm saying sometimes saying yes to Jesus means saying no to others or checking to see if God is shifting what he's got you saying yes to. Because sometimes that yes is only for a season. And then he calls you to something else. Sometimes that yes will be serving him in ways that are not within the church. You know, Pastor Doug has served as a chaplain with the police. It's outside of this church. We've had several people serve in different ways with Love, Inc. 
or other things that God has called you to do. You know what it is that he's asked you to do. But when that happens, when someone says, no, I can't serve in this ministry in the church, I'm already doing this thing that God asked me to do, or I have to stop doing this because I feel God is calling me to do this. And it's up to the rest of us to find our place and say, we can't, we can't judge. It's not our place to say what people are supposed to say yes to and no to. But if we get in the habit of saying yes to Jesus, if we all get in the habit of saying yes to Jesus, we begin to create a culture of obedience. And then we don't need to worry about who's going to fill a spot because we already know God is calling someone to say yes. This true hearing, this radical obedience, it's saying yes, Daddy. Yes to his plan. Yes to his timing. Yes to his way. Yes, even when you're afraid. And yes to learning how to say no. So how do we determine when to say yes and when to say no? Again, every person's situation is different, but the answer is always discernment. Oh man, <laughs> discernment, that, that, that could be a whole other message. And maybe it will be. <laughs> well, let's start with just a few simple things. Simple in saying, not necessarily simple in doing. Number one, set your priorities your goals that are most important in your life for this season. But don't forget the most important part of that. Include God and the people in your life to help discern what those priorities and goals need to be. Number two, consistently be in the word and in prayer to seek God's perspective. You can't say yes to his plan, his timing, and his way if you don't know what he's asking you to do. Spend time with him, hear from him, and you'll know. And even then, sometimes it's muddy and it takes a while to figure it out. And you got to remember that's part of learning his timing. He'll answer you when the time is right. Third, don't necessarily answer right away. Sit on it. Pray on it. Pray and seek advice if you have the chance. Don't feel the need to say yes or no the minute the opportunity presents itself. Sometimes you just know. K-N-O-W, not the other one. But sometimes you got to just pray through it and decide, what am I supposed to do here? Is this something you're calling me to do? What is God asking you to do in this season? Where is he leaning in with some kind of odd request or surprising you with a plan that feels bigger than something you're equipped for? Where is he asking you to say yes and step out and surrender, to trust and obey? Jesus remembers our yeses. He takes them seriously. He uses our yeses to impact other people. May we take our yeses seriously too. 
there is no such thing as a small yes. Because it might be your small yes that changes someone's life. Or changes Warren. Or changes the world. What is he calling you to say yes to? Step into that. Follow him. Your big yes said you would. So do it. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for calling each and every one of us to yourself. Thank you for having a plan, for having a time, for having a way. Lord, thank you for giving us courage. Help us to step out. Lord, change our perspective to yours. Help us to see things the way you do. In your name we pray.